From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Thursday, September 13th. Golf podcasts do still exist. I know we haven't done one yet, but we're going to do a whole bunch leading up to the Ryder Cup, which is in two weeks. Um, For now, we are doing our week two betting and fantasy show with Danny Flecka. Good evening, sir. How are you doing, man? We're gonna. I'm um, fine. We're gonna. We're gonna combine these two shows and see how it works. And looks like somebody just honked a horn. Um, and we'll see what happens and see if people like this. So um, tonight's uh, game, which is Baltimore Cincinnati, which the line sheet that I'm looking at said PK. I don't know what that means. Does that mean it's too close to the game to bet? Oh, oh, pick them. Okay. Um, so, obviously, that's not a game that that that, that you want to look at it as a better. So, um, let let's do betting first. What are you looking at right now? Um, so far this week is as games to bet on and games to avoid. You know, some injuries played a part, or some lines being posted late. And on top of that, you had some big movement swings in some of the lines. So, like, some of the games I was looking at um, earlier this week and now that I really like that uh, I'll go into. The first game is Philadelphia. They're either minus three or three and a half, wherever you're getting them, at Tampa Bay. So, this is one of those games where Tampa Bay looks like world beaters last week. Philly did enough to get by with the backup QB. But ended up covering, winning, and uh, they're 1-0, and Tampa's 1-0. This is the type of game with the better where I look at that you fade the team that has what you would think would be uh, a shocking result the week before. And that would be Tampa Bay. There were 10.5 points underdogs, won outright comfortably, and now are going back home to play defending Super Bowl champions. So one reason why I'm not on Tampa Bay is that that game was, I think, the best game that I've played all year. And it took... 418 yards from Ryan Patrick and a perfect uh, fumble return touchdown by the defense or to win that game. And it wasn't as if the Saints offensively didn't do what they wanted to do. They just were on the wrong side of it and, you know, it, it just didn't work out for them. They gave up too many big plays. They're playing a team in Philly that has a, a strong defensive line, uh, strong secondary, and offensively, you think they're going to be able to do a lot more than they did last week. You know, they'll make their adjustments. They had a couple extra days of practice. On top of that, we know both of the starters, so they had a full week and a half under his belt there again as a starter. Uh, on top of that, uh, Tampa Bay is out there top three corners, and GPP is looking like he's not going to play either. So, all that to me screams. You know, Philadelphia, you know, I know some of these types of games can be trap games. It's hot in Florida this time of year, so conditioning, et cetera, et cetera. But Philadelphia's a pretty deep team. They rotate their running back. They rotate their defensive line. Uh, I think this is a great matchup for them. I think they'll take care of Tampa Bay on the defensive side of the ball. And, on, you know, on offense, I think they'll exploit some matchups. I think Zach Ertz is a big game. And I think uh, Al Gore and Wallace make some big plays for them on the outside and then throw in their running backs. I, I think this is a really good matchup for them, and they're only uh, three-point favorites on the road. Uh, I'll, I'll take that all day, especially in this matchup. Um, 
It's interesting when you look at a team like Tampa, which I'm with you. I think that's the best game they're going to play all year. Um, and you wonder how much pressure Jameis Winston feels um, for, for when he comes back. You know, you see Ryan Fitzpatrick do that. But I can tell you as a Jet fan, don't, don't trust Ryan Fitzpatrick because he will mess you up before you can, you can ever, um, before, before your very eyes, you can, you can see him just become horrible. Los yeah. Angeles is a 10 point favorite over Arizona. Um, that is a huge line and I don't think Arizona is that bad. I just think they ran into a Washington team in week one that was better prepared and played better. Is that line too high? I don't think it is. I mean, last week when we spoke, I was all over Washington for a number of different reasons, and it looked to be pretty accurate on that. I don't think this line is too high. I'm seeing it at 11, 12, and 13 in some places. I think the Rams didn't play their best game uh, on Monday night. Yes, they have a short week, but they're home. Um, that offense is real explosive. That defense looks fast and flying around. The, the one thing why I don't, I don't think this line is too high is because the Rams can explode at any given point and throw up a, a quarter where they, they put up 21 to 28 points. And given that Arizona just doesn't have the offense of capability to come back from that, you know, if they find themselves in a 17-3 hole or, you know, 21-3 hole, you know, that's enough for L.A. to run away with that game and it really eliminates any sort of backdoor cover. You know, Arizona's going to have a tough year. And until they figure out what they're doing on the offensive line and who their quarterback is, you know, I, I don't see them really doing much. And, uh, you know, you have to take the teams, you know, the better you take the teams that you know are, are going to give you consistent output each week. And, you know, the Rams look to be like that team this year. They're going to have some inflated lines, and, you know, we're seeing one already. But at home, uh, with what they have available to them on the offensive side of the ball, that defensive line, I think, is going to wreak havoc on Sam Bradford. And, and Arizona just doesn't have any big play capability to, to keep the game close or, you know, get a couple of touchdowns that maybe aren't scripted or, you know, drives that don't take 10 to 15 plays to, to culminate in points. So, I, I do like LA in that game if you're going to take somebody, and yeah, you know, I think that is a high line. But I'd be very comfortable taking the Rams. Um, the Jets are one point favorites over Miami. I assume that line is in reference to the fact that nobody thinks the Jets will be that dominant all year. Is is that fair to say? I think so, but the Jets presented a lot of good value last year in the first half of the season. Again, we spoke about this uh, last week or the week before that they, you know, they, they were really good against the spread when McCown was their quarterback, especially at home. They were really good early on in the season with, you know, some big covers against the Chiefs and the Jags um, and the Pats, to name a few. I, I like them in this game. I, I'm staying away from it. I was hoping that they'd be underdogs just for the fact that, you know, I like taking home dogs. But one point, two points, whatever it might be, if you're going to go with a team, I think in this situation you, you have to go with the Jets if you're going to take this game. I like what they did on offense. Uh, they did a lot of short stuff. They did a couple of shots. It's pretty early on to take some shots after Arnold takes, but then they open up the playbook a little bit. You know, the one thing you have to be aware of is that that 
the defensive production for points that the Jets got is very random. It's not going to happen again. They're not going to have two defensive touchdowns and a special teams touchdown every week. So this game might be a little bit closer as far as it being a divisional game. Um, you know, Sam Darnold might have some nerves playing at home for the first time, but when I look at the way the teams are constructed, I do like what the Jets present on the defensive side of the ball and being able to Miami a little bit. They did have some big plays last week in that Titans game, and that, that game was just a mess to begin with for both teams. Miami was you know, very fortunate to come out on top in that game, uh, but I do like the Jets in that one. If I had to take anyone, I, I would lean towards the Jets. We're talking here with Daniel Fleco about betting and fantasy. Uh, last thing about betting: Is there any games that, any other games that pique your interest, either yes or no? Yeah, there are a couple games I really like this week that I've gone in on already. I like the Pats on the road in Jacksonville. They're minus two, minus one and a half, minus one. You know, depending on where you're getting it. Um, I know the Jags have a great defense. I know that they gave the Pats trouble last year up in Foxborough again. They're playing in Florida. They keep conditioning everything else like that early on in the season. It could become an issue. But I watched the Jags last week get the Giants. They had a defensive touchdown that helped swing that game. Offensively, I, I think that they're a little bit more predictable than they were last year. Cornette's on a bum hammy. Who knows that packs up again. Their wide receivers are downgraded compared to last year. I think this is a matchup that is going to be close. The Pats are going to be in a dogfight the entire time. But this is the type of team that the Pats usually do well against. And that's the, those tough defenses where they're going to spread the ball out, screen passes, you know, play kind of outside in with their running backs as wide receivers, and really take it to them. So I do like the Pats a lot this week. Another game I really liked that I took was Carolina. They're plus six at Atlanta. Um Divisional game with that many points on the road, you know, I'll always take the points. Carolina has a tough defense. Uh, offensively, they weren't very spectacular last week. They never really are. But I do like the matchups that they have that they can exploit on the offensive side of the ball. Deion Jones and Keanu Neal are out for Atlanta. And then one thing that scares me about Atlanta is their red zone inefficiency. And I know it was only one game, but this kind of dates back to last year. And... I just don't think Atlanta, if they're ahead, can put them away, which allows Carolina to stay in the game, which makes that cover even more appealing. So uh, I look at Carolina as a team that can stay in that game. I think that's more of a field goal game anyway than six points. So I think the value is on Carolina. A couple other games to take a look at if, you, if you're looking to take them. I love the Saints this week. I know it's a big spurt. Again, the defensive team played their worst game of the year last year. Uh, against Tampa, uh, Cleveland does not have the type of firepower. Tyrod Taylor does not have the type of quarterback that's going to swing it around the park. Drew Brees is great at home. Their offense did whatever they wanted last week. I think they limit their mistakes and make their adjustments, and they, they cover easily in that game. Cleveland's going to be hard-pressed to keep up with the Saints you know, as they get going. And another game to keep an eye on is Kansas City-Pittsburgh. Uh, this is one of those games where the public, which is usually on Pittsburgh, is kind of feeding them and going with the Chiefs after, you know, the Steelers, you know, put in a dud last week against the Browns and the Chiefs put up 38 points uh, on the road in L.A. It's a 
four and a half point spread, five point spread, depending on where you're getting it. I would watch the game a little more closely. If it gets to five, I, I would definitely take the Chiefs. If it gets any lower, I think the value is on Pittsburgh. I think that the overreaction is a little too high there, but I do expect that game to be close. And you know, I, as of today, I probably like the Chiefs a little bit better than the Steelers, but I do think that you can find value on either side depending on which way you want to go. Alright, let's flip to fantasy. Um, who, 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 who's that guy? Week one produces a guy that just jumps out and like, oh my, I didn't even know this dude would have a big role. And now he suddenly, you know, went nuts in week one and, and I need him. Who was that guy in fantasy leagues this week? A lot of pickups this week would probably be like Quincy and Unwa. He had a big game for the Jets. Touchdown. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Donald's favorite uh, target underneath. He's a guy that was picked up in a lot of leagues this week. Uh, you can also look at a guy like um, Phil Quinsley in, in Denver. He had a big game. Um, and, you know, those are probably the two most popular pickups. But, you know, I do like a Nunwa. I've always liked him. He's been a producer on the field. Looking at the people this week that maybe you had on your bench that you weren't playing last week or on the waiver wise that people overlooked, and I, I really like from the QB position Nick Foles this week in Tampa. And we highlighted highlighted the betting side of it. Um, I think Foles can have a really good game against that Tampa defense and really has the opportunity to kind of like the level he was at last year. Uh, you know, not turning the ball over, spreading the ball out. I, I think he's a QB that if you're you know questionable on Rodgers or. Uh, Mariota, if you have a guy like that that you're not 100% sure is going to start, you know, he's somebody that you can pick up off the waiver wire. Also, a guy like Keith Keenum, if he didn't, if he was available, uh, could be a good pickup. He has Oakland at home, um, and Denver plays awesome at home, and Oakland's defense is a mess, and we saw them get torched last week against, uh, the Rams. So those are two QBs that if you're looking for, could present some value, um, on the running back side of things, I'm going to go back to Chris Thompson. I mentioned him last week, a big game for him, and he was able to uh, be that check down guy that Alex Smith loves to throw to. He had a big game with a touchdown. I think he had about like 60 or 70 yards receiving, and then also had some rushing um, yards in there as well. I think against the Colts, we, uh, Joe Mixon had a big game, and, you know, both receiving and rushing, so he could be a guy from the running back position you, you can throw in there and be comfortable that he's going to get you some production. Um, how do you handle Aaron Rodgers? Uh, Mike McCarthy said today that his decision will be, quote, no layup, um, which shows you how, how tender this situation is with with the knee. How do you handle him? It's a tough decision because it's hard to take a guy like Aaron Rodgers out of your lineup if you're playing. He's going against a tough defense in Minnesota. The game's at home, so, you know, I do take that into consideration. But if you do have a backup plan, you know, I would seriously consider it just because Minnesota's a tough matchup. They got after him in the past. He got hurt there last year. They are very well balanced on the defensive side of the ball. That game could could turn into something that is kind of a slugfest. And... I do like Minnesota in that game overall, but if I, I have Rodgers on one of my teams and I have my backup Alex Smith, and I'm very comfortable putting Alex Smith in there if I have to, but it's very hard to take him out if you have him. But you should have a backup plan because there, with a situation like that, you just never know. Like you know, you're, you're obviously trying to predict the future, but 
he can very easily re-aggravate whatever it is that he has, and, that, and that's it for you. So, if you're in a, a matchup where you think you have some cushion, then maybe you, you play Aaron Rodgers. But if you think you need every single point possible this week, you might want to look at some other options. Just seeing that uh, David Wright, um, and somehow I, I missed this earlier, David Wright's going to play the last game of the season. And... Um, uh, last last home stand of the season and basically said uh, he will retire at the end of the year, which is the end of an era in New York. Um, be, and and I, I, I stop here just in the middle of this podcast because you and I are both New York sports fans. Jeter, Eli, David Wright. I can't think of three more classier faces of franchises that, that you could ask for. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't played in a while, which kind of sucks. Uh, when he was going, he was going. He was one of the top players in baseball, and he helped that Mets team get through some difficult times and, you know, was able to play in a World Series and a couple of NLCSs, but, you know, it was a very unfortunate type of injury he had, you know, for any athlete to have any issues with your back. It's tough. It sucks. There's not really much you can do, and... Those injuries take a long time to heal, and if they ever heal, you're never going to be the same player that you were. So I give him a ton of credit for sticking with it, trying to get back into it, but classy move by the Mets, which they don't really do that often, by allowing him to come back and play a lot of home games, home stand of the season, and uh, retire Met, and uh, hopefully the Mets can figure out some other ways to get some people in there that, that draw fans, but you know he was a good player when he was 100%, and you know, the mid-2000 Mets, you know, we're very lucky to have him. Um, Kevin Burkhart, I think, summed this up nicely. David Wright is as good a person as I've covered in sports. Even in bad times, he was always a leader. In eight years covering the Mets, he didn't have time for me once out of the eight million times I asked, and he apologized about that the next day. All the best. Hmm. Here that and that was about Aaron Rodgers. I, I I love Quincy and Nunwa, by the way. This is a guy who missed all of last year. Is a great kind of half tight end, half wide receiver type guy. Interesting, um, in, interesting um, guy to have on your team um, because of his versatility and what he can do. And in, and just as, as a Jet fan, I just love watching the guy um, because yeah, he's. He's we just on the watch. I mean, we talked about it last week. The Jets have some players that are sneaky good that they just don't utilize correctly. And one of them was like Bilal Powell. I thought he had a good game. Corral still some touches from him. He had touchdowns. But yeah. if you're the Jets, you got to get him and, and Nuno involved and keep them involved and engaged and allow Sam Darnold to develop that chemistry because 
they're the type of players that allow a, a player like Sam Darnold to be successful because they're going to be in the right spot. They understand the system. They're physical. Like, Nuno is a big dude. And, you know, he's not easy to take down. He saw his touchdown. And a couple guys had a shot at him and couldn't even take him down. So... I've always liked this game. He had a big year a couple of years ago, and, you know, unfortunate injury last year took him out the entire year. But he's a guy that, you know, I looked at late in some drafts that I was in and wasn't able to get him. I uh, wasn't able to get him on the waiver wire either. But, you know, he could end up being the Jets' number one wide receiver when all is said and done. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's let's uh, move on to this. I saw an Adam Schefter tweet that Devontae Parker, who's been having a broken middle finger, was a full participant and looks like he will be able to play for the first time. For guys who drafted players who missed time either due to suspension or injury, um, A, what's your thoughts on Parker? And, and, and B, what's your strategy for handling guys like this? who you drafted, they're on your bench and you're just waiting for them to come back and you have no evidence to see how well or how fit they are, but you got to trust what the coaches say. Yeah, so I drafted Parker in one of my leagues and, you know, whenever you draft a guy like that, you should have a contingency plan in place for that player not being available for X amount of weeks. So I love Parker's upside. He hasn't realized his potential. They had a good year in 2016. 17 was a bad year. The thing that concerns me about throwing him right back into it is that it's his finger, it's his hand, you know, the thing he needs the most to be successful. I also think the Jets are a tough matchup with Tremaine Johnson and uh, that secondary. So Morris Claiborne. Yeah, they're physical corners. They're going to get up in his face, and, you know, those are the type of corners that guys like Parker tend to have trouble with. So... My suggestion would be to wait and see. I, I want to see what he's going to do this week. I want to see how he's involved in the game plan. I want to see how he looks just catching the ball, running with the ball. You know, he's missed a lot of practice time, so, you know, who knows what his conditioning's like. I, I doubt he plays more than 50% of the snaps. Kenny Stills had a big game last week for them, so, you know, you'd, you'd be taking away opportunities from him. I, I think I, I would just take a wait-and-see approach with him. If you don't have any other options, then you, you have to throw him in there and hope for the best
Dax just looked off, and yeah, he might have a good game this week, but I think long term and for the season, he's not your starting quarterback. You know, for your fantasy team, you got to look elsewhere for production. He's just not that. That offense is just not built to take plays downfield. They're built to play underneath and in the run game and play action, and that usually means that you're playing safe and in front of the safety. So, from a fantasy perspective, you don't want that. I think uh, Peyton Barber, tough matchup for him against the Eagles. I expect him to be down, and you know that means that they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. So I stay away from him in that matchup. Any, but uh, I stay away from Tyrod Taylor. Again, we, we talked about them with the betting. I, I just don't think they have enough explosiveness to keep up with them. The Saints played Tyrod last year and absolutely destroyed him. He, they lost 47 to 10, and that wasn't even his touchdown that he got. I stay away from Tyrod Taylor in the QB position. Um, some wide receivers with some tough matchups. You know, the Packers wide receivers like Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Geronimo Allison, it's a tough matchup for them. But again, you, if Rodgers is playing, you, you fire them up because you know they're going to go after them. But they have a tough matchup, so don't expect, you know, Devontae and Randall Cobb to give you what they gave you last week. I just think that it's going to be tough for them to do that uh, against that team. And then. I think uh, if you have a running back on Seattle, whether it's Rashad Penny or Chris Carson, I think it's a tough match for them this week. Going into Soldier Field on Monday night, if you have other options there, I would look elsewhere too. As far as some sneaky guys to consider, um, I know I mentioned Chris Hogan last week. I kind of like him this week a lot. You know, a lot of the attention is going to be on Gronk and the running backs. You know, I think last week they specifically game planned for what they did, we know the Pats do that. I think that this week Hogan might have some better matchups, especially in the middle of the field. The Giants were able to expose the Jags a little bit in the middle of the field, uh, you know, with Sterling Shepard and Odell. So I do think Chris Hogan could be a good play this week. Probably a wide receiver three, but still, you know, there's a lot of leagues that start three wide receivers. So I look at him, you know, as somebody in there. I mentioned Chris Thompson as a guy I really like. So I fire him up. I mentioned Nick Foles. Um, and, you know, I think everybody else has, has pretty good matchups if you had them on your team. You know, the tough thing is going to be, you know, what injuries you have to deal with, what pickups that you got that you think you can fire in there. But I think a lot of the games that we're looking at, you know, we, we talked about the Jets, Miami, Giants, Cowboys, you know, those, they're star players on those teams. Um, should come and play. I, I, I think if you're looking for some deep pickups, San Francisco, Dante Pettis might be starting for Goodwin. I like that matchup for them out there against the Lions. Um, and then speaking of the Lions, Matthew Stafford, he, he had a crappy game last week, but they're going to have to sling the ball around because we saw their run game does not exist. So I think he bounces back. He's not going to throw four interceptions again. And uh, San Fran's defense isn't as high flying as the Jets are, as, as they call them now, the, as New Jack City. Um, they don't present the same issues I think that he's going to that he saw last week. So I think if you have Stafford, don't be afraid to play him. You know he, he's going to give you I think this week around like 300 yards and a couple TDs. Danny, thanks as all uh, thanks as always. Excuse me for coming on teeing it up with Jeremy Schilling and giving your insight. No problem, man. Have a great night. You got it, and uh, thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.